You're listening to episode 55 of the Room to Grow podcast. I'm Emily Goff, a holistic nutritionist and women's lifestyle coach living in Hamilton, Ontario in Canada. And here on the Room to Grow podcast, I bring you thoughts or guests in areas of nutrition, mindset, lifestyle, and entrepreneurship that will help you gain confidence so you can stress less and elevate yourself to create the life you love. We are not here to do things perfectly, but we are here to learn from each other and to grow with lots of self-love and compassion along the way. Let's get started. Hey there, welcome back to the Room to Grow podcast. And today's guest is a very dear friend of mine. I'm so excited to share share her with you and vice versa. And we're talking to Judy Arizoza of Grateful Fitness. Um, Judy is actually a a trainer and honestly, the entire foundation of Judy's business is helping women midlife and upward with ditching diets, gaining body confidence, figuring out the right fit for your workouts and fitness, and really seeing life from a perspective of gratitude. Her business is not called Grateful Fitness for no reason. This woman practices what she preaches. And one of her biggest philosophies is that there are no rules, nor should there be with gratitude and self-love like that we can expect the journey to be turbulent and we don't have to just flip a switch and all of a sudden have the ideal plan or habits in place, but that it's going to take time. It's going to to take figuring out what works for you and what doesn't. But today we are taking a little bit of a different turn with Judy and she offered to discuss relationships. Um, Now, I actually had the pleasure of finally meeting her husband recently And he is an absolute delight. And what I loved the most was seeing them together and seeing them interact with each other. And it just brought me so much joy because I I love seeing couples like that that are obviously so attuned to each other and have made it work for the long term. So Judy has known uh, her partner Ed uh, since age 16 and she's been in love with him since then. So they have been in love for a long time because Judy's now 57. And still just as much or more in love with the man she married now than she, than she was then. Um, she also talks about how her partner truly is her best friend. Uh, she's so sweet. She said, you know, I know that that sounds like a cliche, but she's telling me how true that is for, for her. She talks to us about balancing kids and marriage. Uh, they have four children, so that's no joke. They have really done the work to make their marriage work even throughout all of all of the, the kids and, and all the issues that that can potentially bring to a couple. She talks to us about keeping things interesting long-term, about the role of health and fitness in a relationship and developing little habits unique to you as a couple that really helps to keep the fire alive. She also normalizes the fears that many of us have about relationships and talks to us about some of the keys to creating an exceptional relationship as well. This is a really interesting episode. I was so excited that she was open to discussing some of this with us. So please sit down, have a have a glass of water, you know, get comfy, whatever it is that you're doing, or go for a walk if uh, if you're listening to this. And when you're done with this episode, I want you to go wish Judy a very happy birthday because if you are listening to this in real time, this is being released on December 20th, and Judy's birthday is tomorrow on December 21st, and she is all kinds of special. So please go wish her a very happy birthday. And I want to remind you that it's also the last day tomorrow for the Whole Health Summit. So this is an event that I'm hosting with 10 other health and fitness professionals, including Ms. Judy Arizoza. And she has actually come up with uh, an awesome program with all kinds of TRX workouts, which are really, really cool. She's a total uh, expert in that area. And there are so many great programs that you can offer for free but only until tomorrow. Again, if you're listening to this in real time, they're only free until tomorrow, December 21st. After that, there's a price tag going up on all of these. And I really don't want you to miss out on this. So once you sign up for the Whole Health Summit, you can also access my program, Chaos to Calm, all about your guide to uh, dealing with stress and overwhelm, especially this time of year, it can be so tricky. You can also access programs like a five-day nutrition revival. There's a fat loss blueprint um, that is all very moderately approached, by the way. It's nothing like cutting any foods majorly because that's not what we're about over here. So there's all kinds of awesome programs, um, home workouts, all of that type of stuff. So make sure to go check out the summit. 
All the info is over at roomtogrowpodcast.com. And I don't want to hold things up any longer. So let's get started with Judy. Guys, I'm bursting with excitement for this one. I have my dear friend, Judy Arizoza joining us today. Judy, I am pumped that you are here. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. I'm honored to be here. <laughs> well, this is an extra special episode because you, I, I want to hear more about the various things that you do. And when we talked about doing a podcast episode, you suggested a few different things that you are incredible at, like anti-dieting and body confidence, working out at home, all of these things. But you happen to throw into the mix something about a relationship with your significant other. And you and I were just at a mastermind retreat where I got to meet finally your amazing husband. And it was so nice to get to see both of you together. And I just think that you guys have a really unique relationship. So I immediately latched onto that. I'm like, we need to talk about this. So tell me, tell me more about you and then we'll kind of get more into the relationship stuff, but tell me what you do and you know, how you, how you got here. Like, tell me all about Judy. Oh my God. How did I get to age 57? Let's see. <laughs> um, I am the youngest child of a family of eight children. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And a very strong Italian heritage family. So we grew up very old fashioned rules and, um, you know, it was instilled in me in a young age. It's very interesting because my parents were very old fashioned, but yet they were like, you need to be able to support yourself. You can't rely on someone else to support you. And so my first love was cosmetology and I was a licensed hairdresser in New York state for a number of years. Little known fact at this point. <laughs> I didn't know. I don't think I knew that either. Actually, that's amazing. Yeah. I don't really put it on my resume anymore, you know, right. <laughs> um, but in, you know, I also had this love of math, science, and health from a very young age. And, and it's kind of ironic, so do most of my siblings, believe it or not. And so um, even though I went through program in high school to get licensed in cosmetology, right away I went on to school and was, you know, I didn't really have a major. I took a lot of math and science. Um, a few years down the road, I ended up as a respiratory therapist and then ended up teaching at um, a university until I ended up having a lot of kids and a husband. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of kids and a husband. So how many kids yeah. do you have? We have four children. <laughs> that is a lot of kids. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I actually stuck out that whole, tried to do the working mom thing and I did it until child number three. Um, but we didn't really have the kind of relationship, not the relationship, but the kind of arrangement, I guess you could say, that would work for, you know, and I was very happy to, to stay home and read books with my kids for 20 years. So that's what I chose to do. Um, along the way, I got very interested in fitness, um, but it was just not feasible for me to go out and do fitness. So I just read and read and read and we put together our first home gym and, and just, it just kept evolving. And eventually I just ended up in that direction, you know, getting certified in, um, as a personal trainer with some specialties for women, pre and postnatal midlife. And then I got into hormonal nutrition coaching, got certified in that and the rest is history. Well, and then you ended up doing physique competitions as well, but a little bit later in life than I feel like the average person typically does them. I feel like most people I know that do physique competitions are usually like 20s, 30s, and, and you decided to make a go of it a little bit later on. Why don't you tell us about that? I decided to make a go of it. I started prepping for my first show when I was 52, and I competed when I was 53 for the first time. Amazing. Um, and that, there's a funny story about my first competition. I was accused of, and first of all, I'm 100% natural, have never taken any performance-enhancing drugs. And at that show, I was told that a 53-year-old couldn't possibly look like that, and I must be cheating. And I said, well, I'll pee in a cup. You can test me. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but they didn't. They actually chose to put me in last place. And no. I was like, yeah, no, it's just, but I this, didn't know nah, that. it was not a credible organization and I didn't do my homework. Well, two weeks later I did, went to another show and actually won. 
Um, and then, so I just started prepping for shows after that. And after that, I did a little bit more research onto what organizations were credible and what weren't. That, that oh, could be a whole other podcast if you want to talk about that sometime. Definitely. Um, you know, <laughs> tested, non-tested, cheating, getting away with it, not cheating. Um, so I'm very proud of the fact that I have never put anything, any performance enhancing products into my body ever. So I just, you know, to me, that's not worth it. So anyways, yeah, that was a very fun chapter. I ended up doing that for about four and a half years. I retired. Um, so I, I started in 2012 and finished at the very end of 2016. Okay. And then you, you've also really taken, I feel like a really big interest in talking to women who are midlife about being midlife. So I would love to hear a little bit more about that as well, because I feel like it's a really underutilized perhaps underutilized is the wrong word, but I feel like that that isn't being talked about enough. And I feel like there's a lot of fear about midlife as well, especially for women when it comes to aesthetics and like menopause, post-menopause, uh, how our body responds differently at that age as well. I feel like there's a huge amount of fear around that. And you just have such a beautiful perspective. There, I think you're right. And, you know, I do, I work a lot with midlife women. I think the biggest thing is, you know, get practiced saying the word midlife. You are in midlife. If you are 50 years old, you are in midlife. I had a woman say to me, and I'm going to be 58, by the way, um, in, in a few weeks. So in some of my, these women that are exactly my age, you're like, we are not in midlife. I'm like, yes, this is midlife. It's a rite of passage. We should love being here because if we're not here, we're dead. You know, unless you think you're going to be 130 years old, you're in midlife, you know? <laughs> so I, and I think I put a big post up about that a little bit ago and I got some response on it and it was like, yeah, let's own this. You know, um, here's the thing. You go through menopause and it, maybe this is not everyone, but you go through menopause, you should expect to have on a lean body, some belly fat that you didn't have beforehand. It's just the way the hormones go. Um, and I just see so many women starving themselves because they want to get rid of that belly, but really the, the belly stays and they end up losing muscle. So I have a little name for it. I call it my Nino pot <laughs> and I'm very proud of it. <laughs> I it love is, it. <laughs> it is what it is, you know? I think you that know, there's, that's a big difference though, is, is, is choosing to embrace that that's that's an, an enormous switch that even just making that a decision it yes. allows you to open yourself up to embracing that a little bit more whether it's you know the the belly or just sort of being midlife itself yeah it's really to me it's it's the whole representation of midlife yes i am in midlife i'm not going to go sit in a rocking chair you know i'm still as active as i can be yeah i don't do some things that I did before, but I'm not any less fit. I've, in fact, there are some things that maybe are not right, you know, and everyone is going to progress differently. But joints, for example, um, only have so many, I want to call miles in them or so many bends. You can only move those joints so much without wearing them out. And so I'm very aware of that. And the women I train, I'm very aware of getting them as fit as they can be. So the big thing I think for women, I'm going to go off on a little tangent, if you don't mind, <laughs> Please um, do. but instead of giving up or squatting halfway, like we find ways, all right, so how can we use your biggest muscles without hurting your joints? You know, we don't want to, without putting too much pressure on your knees or your hips or your shoulders. And so we spend a lot of time strategizing ways where we're still using muscle fibers that we need to use all the large ones so that we can keep our metabolic rate where it should be without hurting our knees. And it doesn't have, you know, we can do that without jumping. You know, I would argue that we don't have to jump, you know, if it's, if it's painful or, or someone has compromised knees, for example. So. Well, and, been, one, and one thing that I want to say about you on that, on that tangent about um, like not putting as much stress on the joints and stuff you had knee surgery a few months ago and I was on the phone with you just a few days before you had it done and, and it had come up relatively quickly that you had to have it done. And I was blown away at your attitude around it because you said, you know what, 
I think that this is amazing because I'm going to have so much more empathy for the women that I work with who have issues with their joints, particularly their knees. And it's going to force me to not only have more empathy, but to get more creative about how I train and how I train them. And you, you weren't even batting an eyelash at the fact that you were having surgery. You were totally focused on the gratitude side of it and how, how much this was going to benefit you and make you a better trainer. And I just thought that that was such a beautiful um, way of sort of summing you up in a lot of ways that, that you just choose to look at things a particular way that makes, makes life better, that, that you are choosing to look for the gratitude and that's a total game changer. It really was. Well, thank you very much. Um, yeah, I really do see that as, you know, that was put in front of me for a reason. You know, I'm going to say that my higher power said, all right, it's time you learned a little bit more about this. Let's give you some experience. And so I'm like, bring it on. Let's do it. You know, it is what it is. And I learned so much. You know, you can learn a lot from books or learn a lot like, but when you have the experience, it's a whole different ballgame. You know, I when you can pass agree. that on to other people. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. Well, tell us a little bit about your relationship and like, how did you and your husband meet and how long have you guys been together and take us down that road a little bit? Because I, I love to, when, when you said how much you had to share about relationships, which is obvious, you reminded me that everything isn't champagne and roses, <laughs> which I that's love. Exactly your what I said. Yeah. <laughs> so let's, let's get to know Judy in terms of Judy in the relationship a little bit better. And uh, then we can dive into to more on that. I'm really excited to get into this. All right. So it's kind of funny because if you had asked me when I was a young girl as a teenager, before I met Ed, I probably would have said I was very much a feminist and um, someone who was just, you know, I'm going to, you know, and it was the seventies, come on, I was going to, you know, burn my bra and do all that. But <laughs> and then I fell in love and I did fall in love with my husband when I was 16 years old. Um, and I think my parents had a huge, huge influence on that. Um, I think of their relationship as like the most loveliest love affair ever. And um, I just learned so much from my mother that, and I mean, she was not a psychologist. She was not, she was just a mother and a wife and who had a huge passion for life. And I think the, the first thing she taught me, and I listened to this before I even ever knew my husband, and she always taught us this was, you may think you're important and you're very, very important talking to us as children. And she said, but I want you to know the most important person in my life is your father. Mm. She said, and you guys are a close second. And I was like, yeah, okay, that's cool. But um, not until I fell in love and really in love with the person who I knew was going to be my forever person, did I get it. And then it came naturally. It actually came naturally that I always put him first. Not that I felt any less of myself, like I think of us as equals, but I put him before, I knew that we would have children and I did put him before our children. And I chose, and this may not be the right thing for everyone, and I still do choose, I chose to put him before any career that I had, which is so funny because like when I was, like I said, before I met him, I never would have imagined doing that. But I had some opportunities, um, for example, as a respiratory therapist, I had an opportunity to um, be trained as a transport therapist and literally fly all over the U.S. to go pick up um, high-risk babies. And I said, you know what, I don't really want to do that. I think I want to stay home. And I just, I just didn't want to. You know, it was, I'm not saying everyone should go out and do that. Every woman doesn't have to do that. But that's what felt right for me. And no, so that's why I, I did that. it. Yeah. yeah. And just really tuning into the, into your intuition and it's not going to be the right choice for everyone, but it's, it's interesting that you said that, that that was something that your mother had always said about the most important person is your father, because I've, I've done so much research on relationships <clears throat> over the years. And one of the things that has come up for me multiple times is that I hear these couples in, in really beautiful relationships. And when, when we say that, it doesn't mean that 
and nobody has a perfect relationship. There are always things going on. So just, I just want to make that, that clear, but certainly, yeah, but there are so many people who said that they, they did have to work really hard to put their spouse first and how important that was. And that it, it felt that sometimes it can feel almost unnatural to do that, 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 you know, you should be putting the children first. There's all like these shoulds that we can do to ourselves, Mm -hmm. but what it ultimately comes down to is that putting your spouse first allows you to not only prioritize that relationship that then benefits the entire family, obviously, but assuming that there's children involved. Um, but also that then when those kids, you know, leave the nest and and move on, that you still have that amazing relationship. Otherwise you're, I I would think that, you know, after 20 years go by, you're going to be looking at each other like strangers. If you haven't done the work to prioritize, the two of you throughout that whole time. That is so true. And I have seen that with so many of our contemporaries. And it's it's kind of heartbreaking, actually, to see that. If you don't put the nurturing in early, it's just like investing in your, re- it's another way to invest in your retirement. You invest in your retirement financially, you invest in your retirement for your health, and you invest in your retirement with your significant other. And if you don't do the early work, there will be nothing at the end of the, at the end of the day. No, I really think that's so true. Yeah. I think that you put that really beautifully about investing. I mean, balancing kids and marriage in general, I would think, or, you know, even if there isn't a marriage, like if it's just a partnership, whatever your relationship looks like, this is always a huge topic of interest as well, because I mean, we all know couples that, that do this better than others, but I would love to hear how you and your husband have handled that with, I mean, you have four kids. Like how do you manage to put in that work and prioritize each other? Like with four little ones, I can't even imagine. I know that you grew up as one of eight, but I grew up as one of one. So I'm like having trouble wrapping my head around four. (laughs) You know, it's, it's interesting. You just, you automatically do what you have to do. If you have 10 minutes to do something, it takes 10 minutes. If you have 20, it takes 20. And so all of a sudden when you, you don't have four kids all of a sudden, you kind of ease into it. Okay. The most traumatic kid was the first one. I'm like, Whoa, (laughs) wait a minute. I don't get to be selfish anymore. You know, (laughs) even when you get married, you can be a little selfish with a significant other. You're not together all the time. Then all of a sudden you have this little person, you know, that is like totally dependent on you. And it's the most amazing thing in the whole world. Um, And you know, I, that was probably the biggest transition. I was afraid to go from one to two and I'm like, yeah, one to two was okay. Two to three. I was afraid again to three to four. I'm like, just, okay. You know, (laughs) I got this. We're good. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, literally, and you know, Ed, I just kind of stepped it up and I always like my mom never complained and she, well, she was not perfect. Again, none of us are perfect. Okay. We all had days that were not lovely you know, but she was never going to quit on us. She did used to sing silly songs. Then we knew she was like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) But um, where was I going with that? How do you do it with the kids? You know, you do what you have to do, but I'm going to give Ed a lot of credit here because he, he was not around a lot, but he did what he had to do. I mean, it's just the nature of what he chose to do. But the one thing he did is he said, we will get a babysitter and we will do something, whether we go for a walk or we go for ice cream or we go on a, you know, a real date, you know, a classic date where it's sit down dinner, whatever. And we did that as often as we could. You know, it's kind of funny when the kids were really little, we, you could get a babysitter or grandparents, you know, or sometimes two babysitters um, at once because of the the crew that we had. But, um, (laughs) I would be so tired and I would think to myself, I really could just let the babysitter stay there. I'm just going to go to bed. But I would get dressed, do my hair, put my makeup on. And as soon as we got in the car, I never regretted it. I was always so happy that we had that time together. And it's so funny, your home in your environment, there's a million things that will interrupt you. But if you get out somewhere, it doesn't matter what you do or where you go, you just got to get away from home then it becomes a date. And, you know, whether it was golfing or tennis, you know, and sometimes it was those things, you could just literally get off what was on your mind, mm. you know, and that was so important. And Ed, oh, sorry, go he ahead. Was, he, he was the big, 
um, what do I want to say? He was a big advocate for that. And I was like, yeah, you know, I think I'm kind of lucky in some ways because he was so adamant about it, you know, and, and we had family and, and sitters that were willing to help. There were many years where we lived in a city with no family, but we figured it out. No, I think that's really beautiful. And I think that's a great reminder too, because there is, I mean, I don't even have kids yet. And I already will have days where <laughs> like if, if we were going to go on a date or something, I just, I'm sometimes like, Oh, like I just feel so tired. And, but you're right. In some ways it's also a little bit like a workout. I feel like fitting in a workout because you always feel better after you do it. And generally, I mean, assuming that, that it's, you know, a healthy relationship and, and that you both really like each other and, and all of those things then I imagine that, that most couples would usually end up feeling the same way about going on a date too, like actually getting to spend time with their significant other and just enjoying themselves. And even if you're, you're tired, I mean, obviously, yeah, sleep is still important. and needs to be prioritized, mm -hmm. but I do, I do really like how you put that, that, that you always really enjoyed it once you, once you've made it happened. Once you prioritized it, mm -hmm. you made it a priority, you did it, and, and you just really enjoyed uh, the process. Yeah, literally within five minutes of getting out the door, it was like, oh, this was a good idea. You know? Oh, I love it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, what has, you guys have been together for how long now? We have been together for 41 years. Oh my gosh, that is just incredible. So yeah. what, what has sustained you as a couple over the years? Like what has kept things interesting? Because honestly, that's, that's sort of one of the big fears I have is that like interest will interest and, and sort of natural chemistry will sort of decline over the years with children and all those things. Part of that is probably the dating aspect as well. And if you're not keeping that up, then that can be a problem too. But what do you think it is that, that keeps things interesting between you? I think you do have to, you have to date each other and you just you have to get into conversations like what is on your mind? No, what's really on your mind? You know, um, and I am kind of a more of an introverted person and Ed can be, but he is, has always been really like, let's talk this out. What is it? What's getting you? You know, um, and he's always been so, um, he's been my biggest cheerleader. He, he's been brutally honest um, with many things, with everything. He, he's just, he is honest and sometimes I don't like him for it. But then like, later on, I always, I'm like, all right, you're right. You know, not that he's always right, but he's, you know, his honesty is something I appreciate because I don't want to be told something just to pacify, you know. And I think that's, that's really important. He does really listen. I think a lot of times people don't stop listening. You have to listen to and and really listen. Maybe it's not what they're saying, but what's behind those words? And you know this person better than anyone in the world. You know if their words mean something else. Mm. You know if they're going through a vulnerable time, or you are. You should. Hopefully, you've had enough communication built up. Again, you've been investing all these years, where you can kind of pick up on that and say, "Hold on here." You know, and sometimes I'll say, hold on here. We need a date on Wednesday. This can't wait till Friday, you know, I, you know, and we just, let's do it, you know, and we will, um, just to, just to get back on the same page, you know, and it's not, you're not always, like I said, not always champagne and roses. Sometimes, you know, somebody is very, very, you know, positive and sometimes somebody isn't, you know, there have been times where I've been very body confident. And the same with Ed in times when each of us hasn't been. And there are times where I'm like, you do need to love yourself, you know, no matter what. And he'll say the same to me. And it's amazing. Like, you're, I'm like, you're right. Have I even thought about that lately? You know, and we'll bring it up to each other. I think and that's a really great reminder as well, because we hear about that a lot. I feel like in the process of finding a relationship. But then sometimes that whole aspect of loving yourself tends to fall off the wagon once yeah. we're already settled in, right? Especially, I think, again, I'm going to come, I'm going to talk about midlife women. I think midlife women, they go through such a dramatic change in their body. You know, and if you think about it, it's like, okay, I was put on this earth to make babies 
and I'm done now. I'm like a horse. They're going to put me out to pasture. And there's a lot of thinking and mindset work. And I know that's a popular word. And so I, I hesitate to use it, but there's a lot that goes into that. And once again, if you haven't invested in both yourself and your relationship, it's going to be harder to go through those years. And if you have put your self-worth on only being a mother, for example, you lose yourself when those kids leave. You know, if you have put your self-worth on being only a wife, you may lose yourself, you know, when you feel like your looks and your, you know, you don't, you're not like the trophy wife anymore. And so you have to really do, we have to do the work. And what are some of the ways that, that you feel like you, you do that work or that you encourage other women to do, to go about doing that work? You know, it sounds corny and silly, but I do use affirmations and I do keep a gratitude journal. However, I have given myself, because even that you could be, I found myself tending to want to be too perfect about that. Mm -hmm. So sometimes my gratitude journal is three words and sometimes it's three pages and I'll just, if I'm feeling it, I'll go with it. But I at least try, I at least try every day. You know, in the affirmations, sometimes the affirmations flow out of my head. And now let's be honest, sometimes I have to get on Pinterest and say, I need to find something nice to say about myself. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you got to be honest, right? That's and awesome. So that's okay. You look for inspiration. It's all over. You can find it. But if it doesn't feel right, then it's not yours. Mm -hmm. you know, well, what so. are some of the life changes? I mean, other obviously than, than, than menopause, what are some of the other life changes that you have? kind of undergone individually or as a couple that have impacted the relationship the most? You know, um, a big thing that has ca caused me a lot of pain, and I think Ed too, is when we see people around us splitting up. Mm. Um, and sometimes it's the couples that you least expect. I remember Johnny Legend came out with that song, Something about it was a, like a ballad, and I love John Legend. Um, all of you, something, all of me, all oh, of you. Yes, yes, that's right. Yep. So we had this little habit. We got in this. This was a. I love this habit. Um, actually, we're going to do it next Saturday. Saturday afternoon, once we became empty nesters, and once I stopped bodybuilding, we would get in the car and we would literally be like, "What do you want to do?" And we would, where we live, there's this road that has. Um, an amazing, I mean, when I tell you amazing, an amazing liquor store and some fun shopping and some other just fun little lunch places. And be like, let's just get on this road. And we literally would spend like the whole afternoon on it. We'd, the liquor store would have wine tasting on Saturday. Um, oh, of course there was a lingerie store too. So we would, we would just make a Saturday afternoon out of like, let's just go shopping together and wine tasting. And we got in the car and that song came on and I, I just started crying and Ed's like, are you okay? And I'm like, I was so overwhelmed at that moment with like, look what we get to do. I'm here with my best friend. This sounds so corny and I probably am not doing it justice, but it was an overwhelming emotion. Like, I love my life. I love this man. It was just like, and we have been married already 33 years. I mean, it was just, sorry. Judy, I'm tearing up over here. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is so beautiful. I love that. Well, you think that that's really also about like embracing the simpleness of it all, like that it doesn't have to be, you know, a big trip or an expensive dinner or something like that. It can be a walk or it can be jumping in the car and just wandering around, like doing free wine tastings. Like yes, <laughs> it doesn't yes. have to be complicated. <laughs> no, it does not. Yeah. It could be going to a bookstore. It could be, Yes. You know, so we're going to be going to the grocery store, but not on Sunday morning. That's crowded. Well, we do that together, though, which is the hysterical, but. <laughs> I love it. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. I, I wanted to ask you as well, because you just told me this story recently and it blew me away. And I, I felt like it painted such a beautiful picture of how you two are in real life as well, which is how Ed kind of supported you when you were doing physique competitions. I'd love for you to talk about that because I, I just thought that that was so unique and I don't know many partners who would go the lengths that he did to be super supportive of you doing those competitions. Oh, it is very funny actually, because 
Ed gave himself a nickname. So in his, the culture he grew up in, he, Ed came from Cuba. The culture he grew up in is everybody has a nickname. And some of them were not politically correct, but they were always <laughs> meant with affection. And it's just the way it was. And so he gave himself during that phase of our life, when I was prepping and going on stage, he called himself the butter boy. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll explain that. So at these shows, you're typically allowed, a competitor is allowed to bring one person backstage with them. 99% of the time, it's their trainer. So they'll bring their trainer back. But you also have to like oil up before you go on stage so you're like really shiny. Does anyone remember Richard Simmons? Like he was always like a really shiny. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, Ed, he'd be like putting the oil on me and he'd be like, I'm your butter boy. Yeah. <laughs> so he's that stuck with the first show. So he, he, I would bring him and everyone thought he was my trainer. And I was like, well, he's my husband. And they're like, but he's your trainer, right? And I'd be like, okay, he's my trainer. He's my trainer. <laughs> it's just easier that way. <laughs> it's easier that way. But he, we would, we would make, it's a very tense, obviously. You've got people who are hungry and some people are dehydrated because they're not training right or, you know, they've got wacko coaches. So they're like literally not thinking straight and, um, and they're tense. It's a terrible, it can be a terrible situation. So we would literally go around to every woman and some of the guys too, but we would see, and we would extend a hand and say, you know, hi, we're Judy and Ed. How are you? You know, nice to meet you. Where are you from? What are you competing in? You know, we're doing this. We made so many friends. And first of all, people didn't really know what to do with us. Like people don't talk to each other back here. I'm like, yeah, we're talking. Let's, <laughs> let's make this fun. And so we did. And it just became, Ed became friends with other trainers, you know, um, it was just, we had a lot of fun doing that. And that was just a way to keep him involved. In fact, there was one show that we considered going to, um, and they would not let anyone backstage. And I just looked at Ed and I said, we aren't doing that show. I'm not, we're not you know, what are you going to do? Sit in the audience for four hours while I sit backstage for four hours? Where's the fun in that? Because that day, it, it's a, it, to us, it was going to be a fun day, you know, and we always would bring a change of good clothes. And no matter what city we were in, Ed would find a restaurant and we would literally go out and have the best meal we could and celebrate. And I usually went home with a stomach ache, but I was so happy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I think that's awesome. And I really liked too, that you, you were telling me that when you would go on, when you would go on a very simple diet for these competitions for weeks at a time leading up to it, that he, he participated. He wouldn't drink wine. And I've seen pictures of his wine cellar. The man loves his wine. So <laughs> for that to, to happen, like that, that's giving up a lot for him. That's a big sacrifice. And for it was. you, obviously. But I just think that that's really cool that he, he took it to that level. And I don't think that you asked him to do that. He chose to do that of his own accord. No, he, yes. And I'll tell you the reason that we decided it was time to stop is that we were like, we would like to go back to socializing with wine more often, you know, and not, I mean, we could, we would drink like once a week when I was in show prep up until about four weeks out, but four weeks is a long time. Mm -hmm. You know, I know a lot of people who get to that four week part and it's the last four weeks that really like tests your, what you're made of, your stamina, your skill, your, your dedication. And, you know, we had done that those four weeks, 16 times. And we're like, I think that's enough. Now, um, he was great. He, I would make food. I would just make him more of it or give him more fat. And he was, he was a very good sport. I remember my kids came home one time, I think it was Easter and they opened the fridge and they're like, there's no food in the fridge. I'm like, yeah, I have a show like on Saturday. And they're like, but what are you eating? And I'm like, well, what you see. And they're like, well, what's dad eating? <laughs> more of nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's awesome. I don't know many guys that would do that. I'm not going to lie. I, I mean, my guy is my guy is actually very close to that, that uh, back when I was doing like all kinds of weird diets and stuff, we would make it a competition. I would try and cut out all, all sugar for like at least, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 days. But the only way I could survive it is if I asked him to participate and we're both super competitive and he would almost always beat me and it infuriated me. <laughs> Oh, God. He would be even better at it than I was. And he would just be fine. He's like, 
you know, I don't even miss it. And I would be like drooling over here waiting for some chocolate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We don't do that anymore. Cause I just, I'm not prepared to go, go through life without chocolate. So. <laughs> oh, me either. I totally get that. I, yeah. <laughs> so funny. Well, and now that we're talking about like the, the physique and stuff as well, how much of a role do you feel like health and fitness in general play in a healthy relationship? I mean, this can come down to body confidence. This could come down to overall confidence, but I mean, health, health, health is a big thing. So how does this, how does this affect a relationship in your mind? Um, I think it actually affects it more than what most people think on the surface. Mm. I think, you know, because if you don't have your health, you have nothing. If you're unhealthy and you know it, what are the chances that you're not depressed? Like probably zero. Yeah. Right. If you think about it. And so it's a high priority, you know, is to hit, but health, health doesn't mean total leanness. And that's where I think the misconception comes in, you know, um, again, like at my stage of life, if you have a mina pot, I have a little mina pot. I'm very healthy. Me you know, you're cracking I, me up over here. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag that. I did hashtag that actually. <laughs> um, it's just, you know, and if you do have your health, then, you know, you don't, you have nothing to complain about, mm-hmm. you know, except for maybe dogs jumping on your computer. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I always tell people this is an extremely dog friendly podcast. So I have no issues with like barking once in a while or whatever. It's <laughs> a good thing. Oh my gosh. So, you know, the, and the body confidence comes along with that. You know, I think it's not that we're settling for having like more body fat or whatever. You're only settling for the best health you can have, mm-hmm. you know, and for women going through childbearing age, you know, aesthetics are very important. That's how the species procreates right? Yeah. And aesthetics are important. Um, so I don't want to say they're not important, but health always has to come first. And um, gosh, so many people would be so many, so much in such better place if they would remember that, you know, you wouldn't, you know, it, it makes me so sad when I see people resorting to, you know, and in the, the competitors too. So it, it, the health is huge, especially because if people are going so far, as to like this aesthetic thing, like you can never be satisfied. It's a serious perfectionist problem, which you, you know, we've talked about this before. You know, it's, it's a, we have to embrace our uniqueness and know, you know, to me, if my labs are good, what more do I want? You know? Yeah, exactly. You know? And that's really the most important. And, and I mean, that's what I usually talk to people about too, is that a lot of people will be very focused on a number on the scale. And I, I try and move them away from that, which I know you, you largely do as well, because mm-hmm. when you focus on it more from a health aspect, the weight typically will follow naturally and exactly. you don't have to stress over it and be so obsessed with the number on the scale that it dictates whether you're going to have a good or a bad day today. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. Um, and I just, I, we've all been there. I've been there where I would mm-hmm. get on the scale and it would ruin my day. Yeah. You know, or it would make my day and, and it just, it, it, the more you do it, the worse, the more you're going down a road that's going to become darker and darker and darker, but it's so dark that people don't know when they're in it. Yeah. You know, and yeah, it's, it's, hard to it's so the anti-diet, I'm going to admit something here. Um, when I finished bodybuilding in 2016, I thought it would be so easy to not diet. And it was harder than prepping for a show. Becoming becoming an anti-dieter was harder than prepping for 16 shows. And um, 2017 was definitely a transition year in that. And I was like, I didn't even want to shop for a, a mother of the bride gown for my daughter because I was like, I don't have that bodybuilding body anymore. I don't really know how to eat. I had to relearn how to trust myself without someone saying, you know, you need 150 grams of protein and you can only have, you know, 97 grams of carbs and what 35 grams of fat, not one more. And I was like, how do I learn to eat normally? How do I learn to eat the way God intended us when we were babies? You eat when you're hungry, you stop when you're full, you respect your body. Mm -hmm. 
that's taken me two years to really hone in on. And I know that I'm past that in probably the last six months because it's like a lightness feeling. I can't even explain it, but it's a lightness feeling in the kitchen around food. Um, you know, my fitness pal is off my phone. It's been off my phone for like six months. Um, it's really interesting. I would run to my phone before I ate anything, except for when I decided I would give into a craving, then I would hide my phone and eat everything. Oh so, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, it's like a seesaw. You know, it was a seesaw and that, you know, it's leveled out, mm -hmm. you know? So. No, I think that's awesome. Yeah. And, and that does take a huge amount of, of work to get to that point too. Yeah. Um, I have, I have a few more questions about relationships because selfishly, I want to learn all the things from you. So <laughs> I'm going to tie, cool. tie it back to this. What's, what do you think one thing is that people fear about relationships? or about being in a relationship that is actually totally normal? I think it's pretty normal to fear that your spouse will have wandering eyes, you know, at some point, especially I think, again, women go through that change um, and they might not feel as beautiful about themselves. And so I think it's important to do the work to know that, you know, again, it's to work on the self-confidence and the self-love. Um, but I think guys go through it too, you know, and I think you just got to talk about it. You know, um, Ed and I are very, very communicative. I don't know. We talk a lot. Let's say it that way. <laughs> when getting to those big words. You know, but we've been very open about it. And it's just like, you know, I always tell him, I go, you know what? I go, I'm not interested. I, I have never been interested in another guy. And he's always, we always kid about each other. Like if you die, one of us dies. I, and I'm like, make sure you marry a beautiful woman. Don't insult me. <laughs> and then and she says, well, if I die, and I'm like, oh, no, if you die, I'm not getting married. There will be no, like, you, you're irreplaceable. It's just how I feel. But, you know, everyone's different. But um, I think, you know, one thing that I think is, nor I think that's normal for people to have a little bit of insecurity, even in the most secure relationships, because as you go on, you're not sleeping, you know, you're not whatever, the most beautiful bell of the ball anymore. You're not the young you know, you have wrinkles, gravity has arrived and, but that's okay. You know, gravity's arrived on Ed too. And I love it. And now he's bald and who knew I would love bald men. But, <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> so cute. Well, and I think that that's a really good point actually, because I do feel like, um, the, the potential for infidelity is always going to be there. And I think that, that for many people, that is the number one insecurity, but I feel as though the one like one of the issues around that is that it really does come down to a confidence issue because you could be with, with someone who wouldn't do that to you. But if you're constantly insecure about it, I mean, it's one thing to be communicating about it. I think that that's a really good idea, but if you're constantly insecure about it, yeah. that ultimately comes back on you to yeah. do the work on yourself to figure yes. out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I think I mean, that's a really important point. I think everybody has that thought. Well, I can't speak for everybody, but certainly I've had those thoughts and I would just, you know, we would talk about it and I'm like, and it's like, no, that's kind of gross, you know? Mm -hmm. No, I, I think it's interesting to have that perspective. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's something that a lot of us are going to end up feeling like at one point or another, but it also doesn't, for, for many people, it doesn't end up ever materializing into reality anyway. But we can cause ourselves grief by stressing over something that isn't happening and might never happen. Yeah. And the what if there's no, what if can't worry about what if, you know what, when it all comes down to it, what we have is the present. We can't worry about the future and we can't like over ruminate on the past. We could learn from it, but you really have to enjoy. We have to enjoy where we are. And I think if you live by that, that really helps. You know, mm -hmm. like we, we joke about, we're like, look at all the chapters we've come through. And we're always like, yeah, but today's a great chapter. This is a great time. You know, <laughs> I've always thought that the time we were in is like the great time, you know, okay, maybe not when I was giving birth and like, maybe just <laughs> we'll just skip past that. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Also, I want to let anyone know, for anyone who's hearing growling behind Judy, it's her two gorgeous, gorgeous black labs wrestling, 
Which, they, how can you hear them? Yeah, they I are. can hear them a little bit, but they're so funny. It's, it's hilarious. I, I always love watching them wrestle on your Instagram stories. <laughs> they're always at my feet. They're like my Aww. other children. You know? <laughs> so, so I didn't know you could hear them. Sorry. <laughs> oh, no, that's okay. Just a li- It's making me giggle because I can picture them. <laughs> the tails are wagging. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're having a good time. Mm-hmm. What do you feel like makes a good relationship an exceptional one? This is a huge focus of mine with my own partner. Just kind of, I'm always trying to be in a state of up-leveling a relationship and he kind of feels the same way. And I think that there's, there's something to be said about being a couple that other people admires versus comparison. I think that that's a really big difference as well. And, and we've, we've actually had a lot of conversations about that because I think that it's really easy to look at somebody, especially like on the internet or, mm-hmm. you know, like your neighbors or something like that to look at another couple that it seems like the perfect life or perfect relationship, whatever, but we never know what's going on behind closed doors. So comparison, there's a big difference between comparison and, you know, being a couple that maybe other people look up to a little bit for some wisdom or advice and how they got through hard times or something like that. I think that there's a big difference there. So I would love to, to get your thoughts on that. Interesting. All right. You know, as you were saying that, uh, something came to my, to mind to me and it's like, you know, you are going to do for that other person um, what you're going to do for them and you do it and you don't look for validation. But yet, when they do something unexpected for you, you give validation freely. You don't need it. You don't look for it, but you give it. And it just flows. You know, and I think it's just, it boils down to you never take that other person for granted. They're a gift in your life. Now, Ed is a gift in my life. Um, and I never, ever for a minute take that for granted. You know, I cherish every day that I wake up next to him. Oh, I love really. that. You know, and, and I think you just can't, that's another song, whoever she is. Um, (laughs) I won't think of it right now, (laughs) but literally, you know, you have to just, you chose this person, you know, and if you don't feel like that every morning when you wake up, then I don't know, maybe you need to work on it, you know, and even sometimes little things might annoy you like, okay, everyone has little quirks that annoy other people. But, you know, to me, I could choose to look at the dishes in the sink as a pain in the neck, or I could choose to look at them as a blessing. And I have a husband who loves me more than anything in the world. He's my best friend. He provides for me. He, he has been by my side for 41 years. What do I care about a dish in the sink, you know, for example? Well, and I think that's, that's a really great lesson on perspective, too, because there, I, I feel like I've, um, I've read from women who actually like lost their husbands, um, like that their, their husbands actually passed away or something like that, that they would go, go back over moments like what you're talking about, you know, dirty dishes in the sink and complaining about that and and things like that. Mm -hmm. And that it it gives so much perspective about Mm -hmm. what to be grateful for. And that kind of circles back to you being grateful for knee surgery. Like it's all about perspective. It doesn't mean how you look at life. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you can't ask your partner to, you know, help you out with something or Mm -hmm. a particular, you know, do a particular chore or something like that. You are entitled to that. You are entitled to your feelings. Absolutely. Perspective is still important as well. So do you really want to get worked up over something little when everything else is great? Right? I mean, it's sort of a bit of a balancing act. It is. Yeah. You have to learn what you can let go and what you choose to let go. And what you choose to harp on, you know, Mm -hmm. and, you know, kind of, I think you have to talk to your spouse and kind of go through that and see like, what's a, what's a deal breaker and what isn't, you know, dishes to me are not a deal breaker. Although I love my sink clean, but it's not, I mean, because it is clean. If he puts one dish in, what's the big deal? You know, it can move, I move it over to the dishwasher and I go on with my day. What do I care? (laughs) Well, what is, what's something that would totally surprise people about your relationship? (laughs) Um, That he's my best shopping buddy. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) So I don't go shopping with girlfriends um, 
hence that Saturday afternoon, I go, we shop together. Like, and people always say, do you pick out your husband's clothes? And I'm like, no, he picks out his clothes and he picks out my clothes. Only because you two are the most stylish people I know. Like every outfit that I saw you two in, both of you, I was like, oh my God, you two are rock stars. (laughs) We had to say, you and I had the same outfit on that one night. He, but he just has a great eye. Yeah. (laughs) That's so funny. Yeah. I can totally vouch for that. And he has a very good eye because you guys always both look fantastic. So I think that's, that's awesome that that's that really cool, like little secret weapon he's got that, that helps both of you. (laughs) Yeah. Even purses, like he'll go purse shopping with me and he's like, oh, try something else. You know? (laughs) (laughs) So I think that's surprising because a lot of couples that I've talked to, it's like the women might buy for the men or, or they'll go shopping with their girlfriends, you know, and actually when we go to into a local dress shop here, um, if I happen to walk in alone, I'm like, I'm going to come back later with Ed. And she laughs. She's like, yeah, bring Ed back. Yeah. <laughs> they know him. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh my gosh. Okay. I have one more relationship question. What is... Uh, some small little thing that each of you do for each other that has had a huge impact on the health of the relationship as a couple. Oh my gosh. One thing. It's like, and just like, like a small thing that, that, you know, outsiders wouldn't think twice about, but something little that goes a, a long way that, that each of you do. Oh my gosh. You know, we hold hands a lot. I don't know. Seriously. Uh-huh. Um, I think it's just, I don't know. There's a lot of little things we do. Like I, you know, little daily things. Like right now, Ed's on, this is so, this sounds so ridiculous. He's on a chicken kick and I just make sure that there is chicken for him for the week. He just wants to eat chicken for lunch. I don't know why. Like I, I could care less about chicken, but um, I don't know. I think the biggest thing is you look into their eyes and you really listen when they talk, when they're having a bad day or, and this is sometimes like when he's driving home and he wants to talk and I might not want to talk, I will talk anyway, you know, because this is his time to unwind, Mm -hmm. you know? So I think you, you know, the big thing, I guess I would have to say is just even if it's a minute to listen to when they're ready to talk, even if you're not ready. Because then they're going to listen when you're ready and it's just the flow is, and you're going to be ready more often because you're going to be more in sync. That's a really, I think that's really incredibly solid advice because a lot of times we will hear people, but we aren't truly listening. And that means putting down your phone. That means closing the computer, you know, turning off the TV and actually really, truly listening to each other. I think that's really important. And, you know, you know this from working at home, now that you work at home too, it's very hard to turn off your workday because you just can like the computer is, you know, a few feet away and, you know, you have to really like, okay, the workday is done. Yeah. Yeah. I've had to set pretty strict rules with, with myself around that for sure. And, and I do notice like if there's, if there's days where, where I don't do that as much and I don't keep those boundaries he, he won't say anything, but I feel it. Like I Mm -hmm. can, I can tell that I just feel off about it, that I don't Mm -hmm. feel right about it because I want to make sure that I'm giving my full attention to, to anyone I'm speaking to, but especially my partner. So that's really important. And just to be able to, to set those boundaries around yourself. And I just see too many people like going out to dinner and they're on their phones like at dinner. I'm like, no, leave the phones in the car. Like Instagram doesn't need to see the meal that you ate. (laughs) We we can shut the phones off for a little bit. (laughs) We can skip that story. Right. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Those little daily rituals, I think go, go such a long way. They do. And it just makes that other person feel important, Mm -hmm. you know, and you know, you're the person that matters the most to them. If they feel important in, in, if they know they feel important to you, then, I mean, it's the best day ever. That's such a great way of putting it. That's beautiful. Yeah, Mm. I totally agree. Oh, Judy, you are just a wealth of information. This has just been so good. I love it. Tell everyone where they can find you because then they can also meet, they can meet Ed because Ed pops up on on your Instagram every once in a while. They can meet (laughs) your amazing dogs. 
The whole family. So tell us mm -hmm. where to find you. <laughs> so on Instagram, I am Judy Arizoza. On what am I on Facebook? Judy Arizoza and Grateful Fitness. Mm -hmm. um, Grateful Grateful Fitness is the website. GratefulFitnessNY.com. Grateful Fitness is my Pinterest. Um, Twitter. I don't even know what my Twitter is. Well, we'll, we'll link it up as well yeah. for sure. And then people can work with you as well. People can work with me. Yeah, we have. Um, so I do um, the bulk of my work is in person, but we have now this really cool membership site where members are coming to our workouts through zoom conference, just like how we're talking now. And so we record and they come live, but we keep recording so people can come to three workouts a week in through the membership portal and they can access all the workouts that we've been gathering over the last several months. So there's a, a whole workout library. Plus they also get um, to submit video to me and I will send them back a critique. So if they're worried about form pointers or is it time to progress or should they regress, you know. That's awesome. And so, you're an incredible trainer. So for anyone who is Considering getting an online trainer, it, Judy is, is your woman, particularly if, if you are midlife, because I think that you are just uh, such a, a great source of information on that and just a really incredible coach around that entire topic. And I, I think that that really shines through. And you have clients that come to see you from all over because to, to go see you in person if they're anywhere in the vicinity because they want you. And I think that that's such a testament to what a fantastic coach you are. So to be able to work with you virtually, even if people live across the country, I think that's awesome. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, okay. It's a lot of fun working with people and just um, seeing them progress. And, you know, some people have just stayed with me, you know, for six, seven years and, and just watching them look how strong they are. And it's exciting. Oh, I it's, love it. It's very exciting. Yeah. Oh, so good. So I just have one more question for you. And I ask, I ask this with every guest and because this is the room to grow podcast, if you could offer people one piece of advice on growing into the best possible version of themselves, what would it be? I think it would be to work on, um, work on their confidence. Mm. Because I, I do think no matter how confident we are, and I don't say it in a cocky way, you know, and the other thing is, um, okay, so it's two things, sorry. <laughs> That's work okay. on your confidence, but always um, don't be afraid to look to your higher power. Okay. You know, don't, and because they go hand in hand. You know, we were given this body and on this earth for a reason, and it's our job to fulfill that mission you know, that the higher power has given us. And so we, we should have confidence to carry that out. I love that. And do you have, should, is, should is such a non-popular word, but it is what it is in this instance. Well, and do you have uh, a couple specifics that you feel like are really helpful to building confidence? Um, I really just like quiet time alone. And this is as corny as it's going to, you know, and I'm just going to tell you, this works, but you're going to think it's corny and stupid and cliche. I literally, when I am feeling like frumpy or mid, you know, not an optimal midlife, but a, a midlife, you know, frumpy midlife, I will just say, stop. Do I really want to go down that path? And I'll say no. And I'm like, you know why? Because I love myself. And I, if I have to say it a hundred times under my breath, I will do it. And, yeah, you know, so much power in that. Yeah. I'm not afraid to say that. And at first it was kind of weird. Like, could I just like myself? And I'm like, no. And I read this book. I think it's like, love yourself. Like your life depended on it. Camille, somebody. Um, let's, yeah. I wonder if I can find that. Are you out of time? No, no. And I'll, I'll look that up and I'm writing it down now. So I'll look that up and make sure to reference it in the show notes. I'm popping my audible open right now. I bet you it'll love yourself like your life depended on it. And the author is Camille Ravikant and I'll send it to you. Okay. And then you can put it in the notes, but such an easy read, but, um, and this guy is like brilliant. He was brilliant in Silicon Valley, but this is, this was more important to him than like any, whatever kind of 
technical thing he was a genius at. It was a fascinating read. Oh, that's good. No, I'm going to have to check that out. That's exciting. Okay. Yeah. No, and I, I do think that that's really powerful that it's, we often overlook the little things. You know, yeah. something as simple as like drinking enough water, listening to your partner, saying that you love yourself. Like we skip over a lot of these things because yeah. we think that there's other bigger, better magic pill solutions to everything. And, and we, we miss the point. Like we, we need to be taking care of those simple things first before we move on to leveling up in other ways. Yeah. And you know, the reason I think this happens a lot is because these are not like sexy money makers. If someone tells you, you got to follow macros or you got to be in ketosis and you're paying them for that information, they're going to do that. But if I'm sitting there saying, you just have to practice loving yourself and that's free advice. They're like, yeah, I'm not going to take that advice. Right. Yeah. They just kind of like, they don't get it, you know, but sometimes the best advice in life is free. <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, I always, I have a, a coach who always says that the transformation is in the transaction as well. That until oh. you have some skin in the game, you aren't going to get that transformation because you're not committed to it. And once it's true. you paid for it, yeah, yeah. Once you pay for it, you're going to show up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's because really powerful. it's painful to think that you would have wasted your time and effort. Yeah. And your exactly. money. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, Judy, this has just been an absolute delight. Thank you so much. You have shared so much of yourself. And I just want to thank you for what you're doing in the online space and, and obviously in real life as well, but in general, because I think that you are just, you are moving mountains for women and you are showing up for women in a way that a lot of other people out there aren't. And I think there's a lot of women that are feeling really lost in a lot of ways and you are really giving them a voice. And I think that that's incredibly powerful. So I just want to thank you for that because I'm, I'm not yet midlife and I appreciate everything you put out. Like I always think that there's so much value in, in all of the work that you do. So I think it's really, really beautiful. Oh, thank you. You put a big smile on my face. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm glad. You know, and it's, it's mostly, well, it's completely because I'm so passionate about it, you know, and I just want to see people loving their life. So good. Oh my gosh. Well, Judy, thank you so much. And all the information to find you will be listed over at roomtogrowpodcast.com. Thanks so much for listening to the Room to Grow podcast today. All show notes and references can be found over at roomtogrowpodcast.com. And can you do me one huge favor before you go though? If you can take a, take a screenshot of this episode and tag me on social media, I would absolutely love to see who's listening and get to connect with you and thank you. And if you could leave a review on iTunes, that would go a long way and make such a huge difference. It really helps to get the word out there, get more amazing guests on the show and helps to get all of this information out to the world. Looking forward to growing with you.